Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent Magazine, with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam, and welcome to the latest episode of Apparently Speaking. We're going to continue our discussion today about modern day parenting in a high tech world with our guest, Victoria Pruday. This episode is sponsored in part by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. And also sponsored in part by Cuyahoga County Public Library. Find yourself at Cuyahoga County Public Library. So today we have Victoria Prude on the show. She's a registered occupational therapist with extensive experience working with children, parents, and teachers. She's an internationally known educator, motivational speaker, and a popular blogger on modern-day parenting and high-tech lifestyles impact on a child's nervous system. Victoria is a founder and a clinical director of a multidisciplinary clinic for children with behavioral, attentional, social, emotional, and academic challenges. Victoria has a strong understanding of child brain development and its neuroplasticity. Through her work, she proves again and again that the brain is like a muscle, that if it is properly exercised and provided with the nurturing and balanced environment, it will reach tremendous growth and change. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So you've read, you've written many, many blog. I've read a lot of your articles and your blogs, and I really wanted to have you on the show because I, I really enjoyed them. I think you have a lot, a lot to say. You have a lot of good information. You have a lot of really good ideas. And we're talking about um, kids and technology, kind of parenting unplugged, modern parenting in a high tech world, all of that. Um, I've gotten a ton of feedback on our Facebook page when I asked people what are some ideas they would like to have on the show. And that was like overwhelmingly, you know, the response, kids and technology. And I think you you can see why. So um, one of your articles, one of your blogs, why are our children so bored at school, cannot wait, get easily frustrated and have no real friends? That one really stood out to me. So I really want to focus on that one. And we'll just, you know, kind of talk about that kind of stuff. So you mentioned a few things one of the things being technology. So what do you what do you say about that as far as technology with, with the topic of this blog? Yeah. So I guess uh, even to begin with, um, you know, it's important to realize that brain is just like a muscle. Mm-hmm. And through environment, such as lifestyle and our parenting styles, we can make this muscle stronger or weaker. Now, technology is just one of those environmental factors that can impact the brain. Now, what we know today is that technology is able to rewire the brain of our children. So what happens is that technology brings so much stimulation to the brain and brain gets accustomed to function under really high levels of stimulation. And then reality is very boring. Then when they come to the classroom and they need to listen to the voice of just a regular teacher, they have very difficult time to process that information. Now, compared to special effects that they see on the screen, whatever they're being taught at school obviously becomes more and more boring to them. So technology, you know, it can be an amazing tool. But since we expose our children to that too soon or and for too long of a time, their brain is being rewired. And reality, such as, you know, even friends, teachers, toys, 
becomes really boring to them. Yeah, they're not having that like kind of stimulus in their brain, like yeah. you said. So they're bored with just kind of regular conversation by the teacher and things like that. Yeah. How do you feel about technology in the classroom being used in the classroom? I know you said it's, it can be a wonderful thing and it can be, but how do you feel about that then? So, you know, there is more and more research coming out talking about, you know, that the use of technology in classrooms also need to be limited. And we see that um, there are some research that is being done where they compared school with no use of technology and with use of technology. And children in schools without technology outperform children with technology because what happens is that it distracts them and overstimulates them. And our goal is that calm, alert state of arousal, right? That's where the best learning is happening. Now, if we know that overexposure to technology overarouses the, the nervous system, and if we know that children today use about, you know, some of them four to five hours of it at, school, at home, and then they use two, three hours uh, at school, combine those numbers affect their nervous system to the point, and then they're not teachable. So yes, to use technology, uh, you know, for a little bit is okay, but we first need to consider their nervous system and what it does to their nervous system. How much do you think is okay? You know, like what would be a guideline would you suggest if I came to you, you know, to your clinic and and asked you that, you know, okay, how, I know it's depending on different ages, but, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of like a guide for parents, how many hours a day? So we know today that children until three years of age shouldn't be exposed to any kind of technology, including TV. Now, starting from three to five, what's recommended is an hour a day. And it should be a very carefully selected timing of that hour and what exactly children are watching. So it shouldn't be before bedtime. It shouldn't be during meals. So, and it shouldn't be as a replacement for boredom. So a child needs to learn to keep himself busy without the technology. Now, you have a boring time. You keep yourself engaged. And then you have an hour of of watching TV, and I would also that hour break into compartments of half an hour and half an hour. Then we know that for children older than six years of age, we know now that more than two hours is just not recommended. So yes, although children are exposed for many, many more hours, so anything that more than two hours a day has an effect on the brain. And children have harder time falling asleep. They have harder time to self-regulate their emotions. So we need to be very conscious about it when we bring more and more technology into school. And you're, if you're saying, you know, a couple hours, and so, you know, that makes me think I'm just going through my brain, like, okay, that includes TV, you know, iPad time, t- uh, phone, you know, iPhone time, uh, Xbox and all that kind of stuff. So those things can really add up quickly. So yeah. if we're trying to keep it, you know, to that time frame, we really need to think of all of those things, you know, combined throughout the entire day. So that that's a good guideline. And I think that I think most people will think, well, that two hours, like you might think, oh, my kid doesn't do that. But if you really add it up, it 
probably is more than that if you're talking, you know, all those different ways. And I see children today as young as three years of age who spends four to five hours in front of screens. And then parents come to me because a child has issues with speech and communication and, and attention. So it's like a vicious cycle where then we ask, where is the chicken and where is the egg? And what we know that one of my treatment approaches is complete abstinence from technology for a certain amount of time. I bet the kids just love you. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's quite interesting to see how their initial response, they say, no, no, no. But then it's fascinating. They come to me and they tell me, Victoria, you know what? I do so much more stuff and I enjoy it. And I spend time with my parents and we go outdoors. So as I always say, you know, it's a free babysitting service. But we pay for that service with very high price. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's not really free. <laughs> yes, yes, none of it is free. Yeah. And then I tell parents, then you're going to pay for my services. <laughs> so I'm trying <laughs> to save you money. Unplug your child and save the money on my services. That's so funny. All right. And then I want to move on to a couple other um in this uh, in this blog in this article, you said kids mm-hmm. get everything they want the moment they want. Yes. Yeah. So delayed gratification really doesn't exist so much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you know we know based on research, even if you look at the marshmallow research and all that research now that we talk about self control and self regulation, we know that the key for success in life is actually not the talent but the ability to self-regulate, to work hard, to wait. So great things happen in life after we do things that we just need to do. Now, what happened today, and it's fascinating to me because when I um, see new kids, I am coming to their homes to actually observe them in their natural environment. So it's very interesting how life itself converted to that instant gratification. So if a child is hungry, right away we stop to feed them and drive through, even though they're 10 years old, and there is no reason for them not to be able to wait. But we feel really bad. We need to give it to them the moment they want it. Now, if they're touristy, you know, right away, vending machine, you know, we really want to be nice to our children. If they're bored, the second they get bored, here's my phone. You know, I don't want you to be bored because if I, you're bored, it kind of makes me a bad parent. Yeah. So what happens is that life, that the lifestyle that we created to them is all about that immediate gratification. So they cannot wait a moment. Now, the ability to delay gratification is show, shows a child's ability to deal with stress. And again, it's just like a muscle that has to be trained. But we don't provide our children the opportunity to train that muscle. Because the moment they want something, we give it to them right away. And then they come to the classroom, and classroom is full of need for delay gratification. But how can they wait in a circle time or how they can, you know, wait for this snack or wait for their friend to finish playing the game before they take this game? If 
they are not capable of delaying gratification. And then the smallest things, you know, smaller stress, it's huge for them because they're truly not capable of waiting. And again, it happens completely unintentional. We had the best intentions in our mind. We want our children to be happy. And we thought that if we give everything to them the moment they want them, we will create that happiness. But the reality is the exact opposite, is that children who are able to delay gratification are the children who are going to succeed in in their life and not the ones who are unable to deal with, with um, with the delayed gratification. And I had written down a couple notes and you mentioned good intentions and that's something I have written down in my notes, you know, because I feel like it does come from a good place. You know, the parent, like you said, we want our kids to be happy. We want to, you know, all that. We want them to be happy. It comes from a good place, good intentions, but it's actually not a good thing, you know, because like you said, the second that they might want something or if they're bored or whatever it might be, um, we get it. And that's comes from a good place, I believe, but it's not really good for them in the long run. You know, just like I wrote down, you know, like saving money to work for something instead of getting yeah. it right away, or it's yeah. okay, you know, to wait for some things until you're older. And it's also okay. You know, they feel like I'm the only one without whatever it might be, even though that's not true. That's okay. That's not a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. And that's where the anxiety also comes in place, right? Because this low self-esteem and, and all that frustration, because they're truly unable to deal with those small stressors in their life. And they become very anxious and they become very frustrated. And I know for a fact that none of the parents, I see hundreds and then hundreds of parents, they're all amazing parents who truly want the best for their children. But, you know, the sad thing is that we get trained on everything in life. Even, you know, like anything you do, you require certification, education. But unfortunately, to become a parent, there is nothing that you need. Somehow we assume that naturally we know all that stuff. Now, it used to be that life naturally developed those things. So naturally, we had to walk to school. We had to wait for a bus. We had, you know, to wait uh, for uh, a book from a library forever. So naturally, life trained those skills that are essential for success in life. Today, if parents don't put a conscious effort into training those skills, we're setting our children for failure. And every parent that I have seen so far, the moment you explain to them that big picture and how that delay gratification, immediate gratification affects their future, wow, parents understand it and they change their lifestyle. But someone has to educate them. And myself, you know, I have two kids. I have a teenager and a nine years old. So with my daughter, I made a lot of mistakes because I did not realize most of that stuff. It took me years of my own mistakes to realize where, you know, where it's all taking me. And that sense of entitlement, again, comes from exactly the same thing because they want what they want the moment they want it. And they don't even understand how it can be otherwise. 
because we never taught them that it can be otherwise. Right, right. Victoria, we're going to take a break to hear a word from our sponsor, and we're going to come back. This is such good stuff. So we're going to come back in just a minute and continue our conversation. Thank you. For the one in five children who have learning differences like dyslexia and attention deficits like ADHD, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their potential. Serving students in grades K through 12 from more than 80 communities throughout Northeast Ohio, Lawrence School empowers students who learn differently by accepting and affirming the diverse ways they learn, supporting them through their academic journey, and motivating them to excel beyond what they would believe imaginable. The result of these approaches is that students who previously struggled in the classroom are suddenly engaged, motivated, and confident in their ability to be successful learners. Discover the many ways we are reimagining school at www.lawrenceschool.org or by calling 440-526-0717. Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. Hey, and we're back talking with Victoria Pruday. This is such good information. And, you know, we're just talking about delayed gratification and all these kind of things. You know, we talked about technology. Another thing you talked about was endless fun, and it all goes hand in hand. But um, we have endless fun and limited social interactions. So what do you say about those, those topics? So this endless fun idea, you know, it's quite interesting. Because what we have done, again, with the best, best, best intentions in mind, we created to our children this illusion of the world. So we make them to believe that life is all about fun and all about them and only doing what they want whenever they want. So it's, for me, fascinating when I come to people's homes And I ask children, okay, so what are your responsibilities? Many are clueless what I'm asking for. So they don't even understand what what does it mean, responsibility? What does it mean? So I need to explain it to them. So there are tons of children who don't even pick up their plate to put it in the sink. Children don't do the most basic, fundamental Sure. Do you think that that's do you think that that's happening because like as a parent as parents we think it's just easier if we just do it or that we just don't want them to be inconvenienced or just kind of both so or not really think about it. Things. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened when we were children our parents didn't have an iPod. So they didn't have that easy babysitting service. So they had to involve us in whatever they were doing, because what else can they do? There was, you know, you couldn't turn on the, you know, jumping uh, bunnies. So they had to involve us in whatever they were doing. Plus, as parents, we are very stressed. There is so much. We don't have enough time. So, yes, it's easier for us to do all of that rather than teaching them because it requires a lot of time. Now, another thing that many parents believe is that, you know, one day he will just be able to do it. Because you know what? My parents didn't really teach me. You know, one day I just, you know, knew that this is what I need to do, and I did it. But it does not happen this way. And what I explain to many parents is the same as bike riding. So if you want your child to be able to ride a bike, 
you know that you need to teach him to be able to do that. Now, yes, there is one or two percent of children where you just give them the bike and then they ride on it. But most of the kids, we truly, truly need to train. So what happened is that we created those two worlds. One world is, you know, our kids' fun world, and then, you know, a working world for our parents. Now, what's interesting is that when I ask children, you know, who is responsible for your entertainment, and, you know, they're surprised at my answer. They say, what do you mean, my parents? But even more interesting, when I ask parents, who is responsible to entertain your child? Parents themselves say, what do you mean, me? (laughs) And then I ask them, when you were a child, was it ever your parents' responsibility? Or we knew that that's just our job. We need to keep ourselves engaged. And if we approached our parents saying, you know, I am bored, right away our parents would give us a mop, right, or some... (laughs) Not that bored. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and you go and do, I find something for you to do. Now, there are many dangers in that philosophy. First of all, that we took completely a responsibility in our hands for our kids' happiness. They feel that someone else, which is us, responsible for their happiness. Plus, what the message we send to our children is that downtime or boring time is not good. Because the moment, you know, they're quiet, we feel that that's not good. We try to engage them, entertain them. Now, that's a very important self-regulation skill to be able to engage yourself and function under boredom. So another thing that we have done again are we remove those chores because we let our children, you know, to have endless fun and chores are not fun. Now, if you look into the Harvard, uh, the 75 um, years Harvard study where they examined, you know, who are the people who ended up to be happy and successful in life. So what they say is chores is the key factor. Children who did chores when they were little, they're the ones who eventually became successful in their life. Why? Because chores train a child's brain to do what's needed. Whether you want it or not, it's something that you just have to do because it's part of your responsibility. And the entire life falls under needed to do, rather doing what we want to do. So what I explain to children is in order to achieve anything in life, first we need to do what we need to do in order to get what we want to do. Now, again, the mind of our children today works, oh, I don't want to do it, so I don't do it. So the understanding that, so what? Even if you don't want to do it, you still need to do it. Right. Yeah, I agree. And again, I think most of it, like we said, you know, comes from a good place. But I think so a tip there maybe would be just give them specific, you know, everyone has specific jobs, you know, that they need to do and teach them how to do things. You know, I realized like, you know, my kids um, as they're getting older, like did not and it, it just 
I didn't do it intentionally. Just realized, like, my daughter once was like, wait, how do you turn on the laundry? How do you turn on the dishwasher or this kind of stuff? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys need to know this stuff, you know? So kind of showed them and started making an effort, you know, conscious effort to have them do more. And I think something that we would maybe want to keep in mind as parents is it's probably not going to be done the way you would do it. It's probably not going to be done perfectly, but just that's okay. Let them do it. You know, if they don't fold something or they don't do something, you know, when you're having them help around the house exactly how you would do it, I think it's important not to jump in and redo it or tell them that isn't right. You know, show them, but yeah. but let them do it. If it's if it's a little different or not as perfect, that's okay. And think of that biking analogy. Because when we teach our kids bike, you know, we come very excited, we're very positive, we make the teaching process engaging. So the same is here. We need to have a very reasonable expectation. We need to understand that we need to invest our energy and positive energy into this training. And it has to be you know, in their schedule. So my son, for example, he has a schedule. Once a day, there is one chore that he needs to do, and there is a downtime where he needs to know how to engage himself. He will just have a free time for himself. He has a list of things that he can do during that, you know, kind of boredom time to choose from, but it has to be in his schedule. I like that, that you, he has a list. So he has a go-to, something to look look at and decide yeah. rather, you know, than just kind of stand there. I don't know what to do. It's like, well, look at your list. You know, there are a yeah. bunch of choices there. I like that rather than maybe just saying, well, go find something to do. Because if they're not oh, able yeah, they at that point help. yet, yeah, if they're not able to just come up with something, with, which is the goal, yeah. but at least at first, you know, I like that. Here, you know, here's a list, five, ten things, whatever it is. Um, so look, they can see that and then it just kind of gives them some options, something else to think about. Victoria, we're going to take another quick break to hear from another sponsor, and then we'll continue talking about that. When we come back, I want to talk about the limited social interaction with you. Okay. My name is Eline. My name is Javier. The library is really friendly. It's it's a really good thing to do with the kids and family. Yeah, when they have those activities like movie night, so everybody was in a big group and they enjoy everything. Eating popcorn, drinking juice. Find yourself at Cuyahoga County Public Library. All right, Victoria, so I want to talk about the next section that you have in this blog, limited social interaction. This is this was kind of big for me. This is a big one, I think. And and just talked about, you know, you said the most successful people have great social skills. And I think, you know, even if your child or yourself, whatever it is, is super smart, um, but you have no social skills, I think that's going to impact your your success in life, obviously. Um, yeah. And so what do you think about social skills? So, yes, you are so right. We know today that the key for success in life is actually emotional intelligence. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting that, again, as with everything else, we do know that every skill requires training. But... Again, when it comes to social skills, we kind of assumed that it comes naturally. Now, it's very interesting to see the life of our children today and compare it even to our childhood, where we spend, you know, maybe five hours in unstructured outdoor environments where we were practicing our social skills in a very unstructured way. We were left on our own and we were just, you know, figuring it out. Now, what happened today is that time is replaced 
with isolation in front of screens. Now, children are missing five hours of daily social training. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that many, many, we are having a generation of children without basic social skills. So, yes, technology plays a huge role into it, again, because it replaced the outdoor time. Another thing that happens is that, you know, parents as well are sitting in front of the screen. Yeah, that's a good point. We're, we're kind of lacking, a lot of parents may be lacking social skills as well because of and that. The technology is an escape for them. Mm-hmm. But used to be, even if you are lacking the social skills and you don't have that screen in front of you, somehow you had to talk to your kid. You, you had to do something with them because you were bored and they were bored. <laughs> now none of us is bored. And we're all sitting in front of those screens. Now, it's interesting that I need to teach children as, you know, seven years old, eight years old, ten years old, the most basic fundamental social skills of, you know, how to get to know someone new. We're making a list of questions they can ask. I teach them what is communication. That communication is a two-way road. We actually practice like a ping-pong, asking questions, answering, and asking a question back. Hmm. So, yes, what's happened again, that life somehow on its own trained us those social skills. Unfortunately, today, we need to put a conscious effort into training those skills. And if we don't do that, then our children will be lacking those skills. I even think of like little things like, you know, when we're at a restaurant, my kids, especially my son, my my girls are much more, you know, they're kind of more like me. My son, he's a little bit more reserved. And so it's a lot of times at a restaurant, you know, so like, can you order for me? And I think I yeah. used to do it more when he was younger. But now I say like, no. You can order, yeah. you know, you, you, ta- you tell them what you want and, and kind of make him do those things, even if it, it yeah. feels a little uncomfortable for him, because it's not a big deal. You need to know how to talk to people, look at someone in the eye and, and talk to them. So I really try to make sure, especially with him, that he's doing those kind of things. And I always tell my kids, you know, they know if there's a problem or concern with like a teacher or a coach, you talk to them first, you email them, you ask them first. If I need to, you know, help out later, I will. But, you know, they need to to take that step. And I just feel that that's teaching them social skills. Yeah. And that gradual exposure, right? So we see more and more children today who have that social anxiety. And again, maybe if they were born 30 years ago, where they would be put in situations where they had to interact with people because there was no other choice. You know, you would come, um, you know, you you would go outside and we'd meet new kids and you had basically no choice. So they gradually exposed to them to that social environment that taught them, oh, I'm not so bad. I thought it's scary, but it's actually not. Hmm. Now, today, they just don't have enough of that exposure. What if, Victoria, what if... Go ahead. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that I run emotional intelligence training groups for parents and children. And the, the change that can happen in children and parents as well is enormous. And I truly believe that, that teaching of emotional intelligence 
has to be part of every school program because this is what actually makes them into successful partners in life, into successful workers, and it's just into happy people. So it has to be incorporated into the, the teaching. So what if someone's listening and they're thinking, well, I've messed up in one or more of these areas, you know, like, okay, I screwed up, which they didn't. But what if they're thinking that kind of quickly, how do you feel about that? Is it too late? What, can we reverse some of these things? So, you know, it's very interesting that we know today that brain is rewirable at any point in time. As parents, we can become better parents at any point in time. We can help our children to improve their skill at any point in time. So it's never too late. And I have seen changes in people, you know, in older kids and in younger kids. So it's never too late. And that's what's really important to understand. But we truly need to understand that we need to put the conscious effort for the change to come. So what I recommend is, you know, schedule. Routines are the primary things that children need to have. There needs to be a schedule when child is going to bed, a schedule of uh, meal times, a schedule of um, when and how a child uses technology. So my daughter, she is 16 years old. She knows that all technology is off at 10 o'clock at night. She is not charging for technology to, for phones in the bedroom. The charging station is outside. We never take the phones to the restaurants or during meals. So setting those limits and not to be scared to set those limits and think what's really good for our children. Giving them what's good and not what they want, because very often what they want is the exact opposite of what's really good for them. So giving them that boredom time, a downtime, when, you know, half an hour a day when there is nothing to do. Giving them chores. So start from small, just making their bed. Work for one week on making their bed. Make a checklist every day. They made their bed, they put a check mark, and at the end you celebrate by baking cake together. Next week you add another chore to it. And the key is for us to turn off our own phones. So we have a rule at home that from 6 to 8 our phones are off. This is the time when we fully invested in our children. I really like that. And your kids just know that's just what it is. Oh, yeah. They yeah. just know. I like that. Yes, and we have one family board, board game um, a day. So even something quick, it doesn't have to be something that, you know, right. quick Cards game. or something, just yeah. Just play mm-hmm. to reconnect. I like that. And I like that. Another thing, family dinners are the key. So... They need, and there is tons of research that family, the amount of family dinners that kids had through their lifespan, they are uh, as a preventative factor for addiction and for all kinds of stuff later on in life. So put a conscious effort into having those family dinners and make sure that there is no technology during family dinners because think about it, it's our in many families, is the only opportunity to reconnect. And start setting those limits from a very, very young age. Children need to know that there are no cell phones during family time. And slowly build it up and create that schedule that has family dinner, boring time, game time, chore time, and sleep time. 
And sleep is the key. There is no self-regulation without sleep. Children, for parents to know that the child had enough sleep, a child needs to wake up independently in the morning. So this is my rule of thumb, that if you're waking up your child every morning, it means that she didn't get enough sleep. Now, their nervous system needs that sleep to rejuvenate, to, to be ready for the next day. So slowly move your child's sleep time 15 minutes backwards until you come to the point where they... What about my sleep time? <laughs> I never wake up on my own. <laughs> and you know what? There is a research study that say that the earlier our children go to bed, it's better for the mental health of their parents. For sure. <laughs> that <laughs> so I believe. Yes, we need their own time. And you know what? If Even if they go to bed at 8 o'clock, but by 8 o'clock we gave them truly what they truly need, then you know what? We, are, we need to feel good about ourselves. And sleep is crucial. Nutrition is crucial. Spending time outdoors. So whenever you have a chance, go on a hiking, going to the nature, reconnecting with the nature is very, very important for our kids today. And being positive. You know, being positive and understanding that today's children have lots of challenges. And instead of punishing them for those challenges, we need to help them to overcome the challenges. They don't want to be badly behaved children, but they truly can. They don't know how to behave well. Or, you know, we haven't trained them how to behave well. Now we need to teach them and understand that, yes, it's one of our challenges that we need to overcome. We need to take that behavior and work on that and celebrate their success. Victoria, this was so great talking to you. I think you had so much great information and some really good takeaways. I like that you had a lot of just really specific takeaways. So where can our listeners find you and connect with you? So I have a blog. Uh, um, they can visit my website at www.youryourot.com. Again, it's www.youryourot.com. And I have a blog there. I, I do a lot of education to parents. There are lectures that are available for purchase. So there is a lot of stuff that I'm doing just to educate the parents because, again, that's something that is essential and are so lacking in, in today's world. So we can do it. Yes, that's right. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And please um, check her out. Go to her website and you can find this article, this blog, and much, much more there, like, like you mentioned. So thank you again so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. And you can find us at northeastohioparent.com. If you have any questions or suggestions for future shows, email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com. And if you would like to be a part of a future parent panel, please email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com. This episode has been sponsored in part by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. Discover more at lawrenceschool.org. And also sponsored in part by Cuyahoga County Public Library. Find yourself at Cuyahoga County Public Library.